0: Welcome to The Watcher's Diaries, a weekly podcast all about Buffy. I'm Mary. And I'm Froggy. And this week we're talking about Season 4, Episode 17, (laughs) Superstar. Superstar. A final reminder that next week will be our next book club episode. So if you haven't started the last two parts of The Lost Lair, now's the time. As always, we'll have the information on where to find this book in the show notes. And a brief over-encompassing entertainment thing. WGA strike currently happening. Um, I don't know. Maybe fingers crossed by the time you guys hear this, they'll have worked something out. I highly doubt it though. Uh, So please, please, please show your support however you can. Writers work so hard and deserve to receive pay and benefits befitting their work.
1: Yeah. I mean, and, and it's been considering that we had to go through this in 2007 and now they're going through it again mm-hmm. you know and and also like everything is it's a good thing that they're doing it again because 2007 people had there were different concerns now we have so much streaming mm-hmm. and that's where a lot of it comes from I mean when you see the residuals that are like a check for six cents yeah for three episodes that you wrote of a popular series like yeah yeah. Plus all like all, all the shit that they have to go through. So if you don't if you don't know what the writers, what their reasons are, do a, just check into it, do a little research. They deserve a lot more. I mean, and with streaming with AI, they want to cut shit down. It's yeah, that was the thing
0: that blew my mind. So, yeah. there are a couple things writer the writer's guild is asking for. Honestly, like the pay increase, I think comes out to like three mm-hmm. percent. And with what studio heads are making, it's ridiculous not yeah. to grant on that. Yeah,
1: like what was I forget which I forget which studio it was, but he just purchased a second yacht or something. Yeah, like
0: but the, like. One of the big things they're asking for, because I'm sure this is what you're about to launch into with the AI, is that they don't want their work Mm -hmm. to be used to basically teach artificial intelligence to replace them. And the studios were like, no. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because you have to feed work into these AI. You have to. I mean, like, like, it was all. It was also, you know, it was funny when you're like, oh, I forced an AI to watch 10,000 hours of Hallmark movies, Hallmark movies. And here is what they came out with, you know. But But
0: exactly. You've got to give that AI something. And what they do is basically feed AIs like four seasons of scripts and then Mm -hmm. see what the AI can write. And then maybe like, all right, well, we need like six less writers.
1: Yeah, I mean, they they, have
0: like three writers go over what the AI produces. No, that's ridiculous. That should not be allowed in any way, shape or form. Yeah,
1: they want to cut down. They want to cut down writers rooms. Mm -hmm. You know, they they want less regular writers. I mean, so many like look at Buffy. So many of our shows, so many of our favorite episodes are written by the same people. Like yeah. we know, like we know all these names. These are the names that we're familiar with. And you get so many of these shows that just cycle writers in and out. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the best, the best part about a show like this that has a writers' room is these people are together and they're throwing ideas at each other and yeah. they're 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 telling like I have this idea and they can have one of their fr- and like they're friend like they're friendly. They they work so often together. And they spend so much time together that they could. I mean, it's like when you are with your friends and you're throwing ideas at your friends and your friend says, no, that is the absolute worst idea. Or this is a great idea, but let's expand on this. And just any more you hear that, again, writers are recyclable. They just go in and out and they're not shown any respect for the work that they do. And without the writers, we don't have any of our entertainment. This is true. And I keep seeing people say, oh, well, maybe if writers came up with original content, that's not the writer's fault. Mm -mm. Writers are coming up with original content. The problem is these executives don't want the original content. They want reboots. I mean, and, and as much as I love as much as I love so many different IPs, they want locked in IPs. They want things that are people are familiar with because they know they're guaranteed money. Yep. So don't blame the writers for there not being anything original because I guarantee you those writers have stacks and stacks and stacks of spec scripts mm-hmm. and finished screenplays that they can't sell. Oh, absolutely. That, that nobody wants because, I mean, again, we're, we're Marvel people, we're Disney people, we're Star Wars people. There are, and and it goes through, it goes through cycles all the time with what studios want. But you can't blame a writer for what is being put out because they have, they have no control. No, they, ha- they, they write what is going to make them even the smallest amount of money. Yeah. And to, I think, bring this back to Buffy a little bit. I know, I think
0: Jane was on the picket lines. Mm-hmm. Um, cause somebody put up a post that was like Buffy reunion. And it was, I think Jane it was either Jane or Marty with some of the other writers. Like they all ran into each other. Yeah. So like the people we know and love, they're out there fighting for,
1: yeah this so yeah. yeah
0: support however you
1: can one of the things that like because i know i keep seeing people talking about how like there's still animation stuff going on animation is a completely different guild yes so if you because i know um i know uh,
0: reboot has exactly. started
1: yeah yeah because dan paul and meyer was talking about how they were they got oh, the animation guild is worse yeah because yeah. that
0: was the big thing um i think it, may, it might have even be the head of the writers guild came out and was mm-hmm. like no no, we're not going to vilify these people because if the animation writers stop working, they're like fired immediately.
1: Oh yeah. Like they yeah. lose their jobs. It's yeah. done.
0: Yeah. So they were like, one, it's a different guild, and two, their situation is like actually even worse than ours. Yeah,
1: yeah. So they the fact that they're not like and yeah, like they, they they have it, they have it so much worse. Because I know um Alex Hirsch from Gravity Falls was out supporting because he's part of the animation guild and he's part of SAG. So like, and that's another good thing when you see other guilds yeah, out there so supporting.
0: Apparently,
1: who? Are we going to talk about Fran Drescher? No, we're
0: not going <laughs> to talk about Fran Drescher. <laughs> we're going to talk about the fact that apparently when the WGA had a meeting the other day, a bunch of the other labor unions showed up. Mm-hmm. These people notoriously do not play well together. And yet they're all playing well together right now, Uh which could spell a lot of trouble for the studios. If they don't want to come to an agreement, because if the labor unions decide to strike along the WGA, Mm -hmm. Hollywood will be completely shut down.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause you, and, and this is, this is definitely one of those times, like this age of nobody's going to cross that picket line.
0: No, absolutely not.
1: Because when everything gets back up and running, Scabs are fucked. Yeah, you know, I it, it's it's a shame that you know there are people who do need work, but don't fucking cross the line. Um, but no, what I was what I, with Fran Drescher, she's not backing up the WGA, and she's the oh, head of Fran SAG. Drescher,
0: why she's the head
1: of SAG. She's she's got a lot of questionable. This is why
0: Becky called your show a potato
1: show. <laughs> it was filmed in a potato. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So yes. And also, you know, also like when I I would recommend like everybody go back and watch Dr. Horrible Sing Along Blog. Yes, which was something fun that came out of
0: The Last Rider Strike. The Last
1: Rider Strike. So Go Watch Newsies. Newsies, yeah.
0: <laughs> that strike energy. Going. I mean, yeah, yeah.
1: Like I I was I was raised in union fam- in a union family like My my mom was was on strike once my grandfather was a teamster like I've I've been to union meetings with my mom and actually I I fought against a union once when I was at the casino because they were shitty and they weren't doing anything for us (laughs) people got to see a different side of me when we had the meetings (laughs) they're like wow you're usually you're usually so quiet
0: I'm like yeah don't
1: don't fuck with me don't fuck with me don't lie with don't lie to me Yeah, I told the guy, I told the union rep that he was, I'm like, you're lying to my face, Fred. Oh, Fred. Oh, fuck Fred. So yes, pro union, but just not pro that union. Okay. Let's talk about Jonathan. (laughs) About Jonathan.
0: So Superstar, it aired April 4th, 2000. And our synopsis is, things seem a bit off to Buffy when a former high school loser becomes the most popular person on earth, successful at everything he attempts, whether it's playing the violin or fighting demons. But no one but Buffy thinks anything is wrong. So what are
1: our foreign titles? So we have two this week. Okay. Everything else was Superstar. So in German, we have Jonathan, and Spanish from Spain, a star is born. I like
0: Jonathan. I
1: like just Jonathan. Yeah. That's that's what it is. It's Jonathan. It's Jonathan. Oh, this is so, this episode is so much fun.
0: So we do get a previously on reminding us of Jonathan, (laughs) of Earshot, and the events of the last two episodes, how Faith switched bodies with Buffy and slept with her boyfriend. Also, how Adam apparently found his purpose. (laughs) Good for him. Good, good for, good for Adam. Then it's off to the cemetery where Buffy is fighting a couple of vamps along with the help of Willow, Xander, and Anya. They manage to stake one and then follow the other as it has fled to a mausoleum where several vamps are feasting on a human. Pretty normal. Except Buffy looks a little nervous and put off by the small horde. They leave the mausoleum, Willow thoroughly disappointed with their manners, and Buffy says she could probably take them. Two of them at least. (laughs) Yes, and then they could run screaming while the other three snacked upon her. Anya's right. It's too big a job for them. They know who they need. (laughs) Cue a rather large, almost White House-looking mansion. The group makes their way through an ornate-looking study and approaches the desk. They tell the person sitting behind it, currently hidden, as their chair is turned around, that they have a problem. The chair turns and surprise, surprise! It's Jonathan. He tells them that it looks like they've come to the right place. Credits still awesome. Actually, even more awesome. Even, even more awesome. Um, we're gonna talk about them because our normal credits <laughs> are cut with clips of Jonathan. So again, this is where I had a Mandela effect moment because I thought the entire credits were Jonathan. No, but I, no, they're no, they're cu- yeah, they're cut.
1: Yeah, I I kind of thought that there was more of him in yeah. the opening credits, but but he's being badass. He's building crossbows. He's defusing bombs. I, the, I like how most I like how most of it is clips from the episode.
0: Yeah, the only one
1: that isn't I think is the bomb one. Is the bomb like him just a few, Oh, and the,
0: and the last shot.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that and shot of him. <laughs> Which is,
0: like, a rip-off of the Latin. And we'll talk about it when we get there way down in the future. Which is basically a rip-off of, I think, the last shot of the angel credits. Yeah. Where he's, like, walking down the street with the coat billowing. And it's just... It is very angel-esque.
1: Danny has... Danny has eyeliner on and his hair is all... Like... It's so good. Danny... Danny Strong is... He's amazing. Like, he... Danny Strong is fantastic. Like, he... Like... He made like just that there's really nothing I can say. Like, he's just he is fantastic. Like recently I I was rewatching Justified and he plays a shitty guard at a women's prison. And like with how tiny he is and like whenever he plays an asshole, like <laughs> it's just. <laughs> and I can confirm he is apparently the
0: nicest person I've in real life. I've heard, yeah. Um, jackie's met him i don't mm-hmm. know i don't remember if it was like through a friend of a friend or at a work thing but she she's met him and she just nicest person
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah no he's he's he will forever be just one of my favorite random people and he's doing like he's 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 doing so much great behind the scenes work now i mean he's he's like a writer and a director yeah. now and he's yeah. put good out for some you. fantastic shows yeah good for you jonathan <laughs>
0: We return from the credits to Giles's place where the gang, including Jonathan, of course, is getting ready to go take out the nest. Xander practices his quick draw, reminding us that it's not just about speed. It's also about making sure the steak is pointed the right way. <laughs> Buffy's practicing her punches. Anya's eating Johnny-o's. <laughs> or trying to. She can't get the milk open. And Giles and Willow are researching. Buffy thanks Jonathan for coming with them. She says she wouldn't have asked, but... It's fine. A nest of vampires? They get him. A box of puppies? That's more a judgment call. <laughs> Buffy laughs and Jonathan says to hit him. She does, but he easily blocks. He tells her to watch out for the southpaws. According to Giles' research, they are ritual-free. Must just have been a family meal. Buffy tisks and says, They say no one eats without the TV anymore. <laughs> Jonathan thanks Rupert, which, excuse me? No! I I get this is temporarily your world and we're uh-huh. just all currently living in it, but sir, his <laughs> name is Giles. His name is Giles. Kind of like how Colson's name is Agent. Yes. We do not call him Rupert. Not no. even Buffy calls him Rupert. No,
1: no, you you have occasionally Spike will call him Rupert. Spike Joy- is
0: to do that. Spike yes. is very old. Be-
1: and also because he's also very sassy.
0: Mm-hmm. But you don't get to do that, sir. No. Jonathan says he's glad to know they're not walking into the feast of something or other. And speaking of walking in, Willow's got the schematics of the crypt. Looks like there's no back way in, just the one entrance. Buffy thinks that's okay. They can stake it out. But Jonathan, he has another idea. Taking the laptop from Willow, he presses a few buttons, and voila, he can get in this way. Willow can't believe she didn't think of that. And Jonathan assures her she would have. Looks like they have a plan. Buffy will go in first, let them get a good look at the Slayer. Then Xander and he stops, looking at a chessboard and the maneuver currently sitting upon it. The Nimzowicz defense. Jonathan pauses, considering it for like half a second, and then moves a piece. Mate in four. Rupert almost had him. I need him to stop calling him Rupert. He needs to, he needs to stop calling him Rupert. So real quick, um, the Nimsowitz defense is actually a very highly unusual chess opening and it's hardly seen as a dependable one from (laughs) what I can gather so the whole point of this opening is for black to invite white to occupy the center of the board it then surrounds white's central pawns and restrains slash attacks them (laughs) The move is named after Aaron Nimzowicz, a chess player in the 1920s, and apparently he is considered to be one of the most influential chess players in history. But I know nothing about chess, so you're all just going to have to take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Back to the plan. Xander, Willow, and Anya will back up Buffy. Jonathan will be the surprise guest. As they head out, he says it's time to show those fiends they came to the wrong town. Back in the cemetery, the gang just barges in. A vamp turns around and bam, crossbow bolt to the heart. The others turn to charge, one of whom looks very Inigo Montoya ish. <laughs> But there's Jonathan crashing down through the skylight and getting them with his own crossbow. A few try to flee. Buffy stakes two. But the third, it looks like it's going to get away. Thankfully, Jonathan is there to send a crossbow bolt through its back to the heart. Can we just all appreciate like the James Bond esque like ex music that's playing through it's the scene? It's very, it's very good. I love it. Buffy says she should have gotten that one. And Jonathan tells her she got two. The second of which was coming for her. Still, he tells her it doesn't matter. All that matters is that she tried her best. Yeah, but it's just it. As they leave the crypt, Buffy says she doesn't think that was her best. Outside, the press is waiting, wanting pictures of Jonathan. As he waves them off, saying that's enough. Xander says he likes to think they did great. They killed them dead, which they already were. So they killed them deader. (laughs) Ani says they weren't very organized. If they had all rushed at Buffy, she'd be dead right now. Thanks. That surely won't keep her up at night. <laughs> Jonathan reminds them that vampires only form nests to make hunting easier. They're not big into cooperation. They'd rather hang out alone in the shadows. Isn't that right, Spike? <laughs> This is the part where like I knew this episode was gonna take me forever to watch because I had to keep pausing it to like laugh for like a minute straight. Because like the guitar riff, Spike peeking out from behind the bush. Oh I love it so much.
1: Everything about this episode, the way that it it's filmed and written, is absolute perfection.
0: Coming to face the gang, Spike eyes Jonathan, the
1: man himself.
0: (laughs) Jonathan wants to know what Spike is doing there. He lives here. (laughs) And he wasn't really planning on a visit from Wonder Jonathan and his fluffy battle kittens. Buffy gives him a look. He thinks that up with all the time he has not biting people. Careful. Jonathan reminds her that Spike is still pretty dangerous. Yeah. So back off, Betty. (laughs) It's Buffy. (laughs) You big bleached... Stupid guy. She retreats back to where the others are and Jonathan steps forward, telling Spike that he is the worst kind of scum. (laughs) The moment he's back to his old tricks, let's just say before he even sniffs out that first victim, he'll be indistinguishable from instant soup mix. At Tara's. Willow is going over the events of the night as the two of them put together a wallow, Jonathan. <laughs> the moment I saw them taping up things, I remembered what this was and just I love it so
1: much. The prop department on this episode they had went all out. Such a good time. They and that's that's even what Kevin said. Like every time something popped up that had Jonathan's face on it, like I, I hope I hope everybody got to take one of the little posters home. Oh, I hope so. I'd hang that on my wall. If I, if I worked there and I took one of those home, that would be framed and it would go with me everywhere. I would have stole the trading cards. The trading cards were great, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to all that. But yeah, just <laughs> everything, the prop department,
0: kudos. Kudos. Willow says there was a moment or two where she was kind of worried, but Tara tells her to admit it. She loves the Scooby life. It's true. She does. Tara then asks how Buffy was. Is she okay? Oh yeah, she dusted two whole vamps. Tara kind of met with the Faith thing. Because it freaked Tara out and she was only observing from afar. Oh, well, <sighs> Willow knows Buffy isn't quite over the whole Riley-Faith thing. Not that Riley knew it was Faith. But still, Tara says it must be hard. And Willow says they'll get through it. They're probably making with the smoochies right now. The wall, I can't. It's a thing of beauty. Oh. <sighs> Buffy and Riley are not making with the smoochies, but they are hanging out in his room. Buffy's sitting on his bed while he plays with the basketball hoop, shirtless. And again, you will notice that the uh, types of sports ball poster that is usually on his door has been replaced by a poster of Jonathan in a <laughs> basketball jersey. It's a takeoff of a very famous poster, and I can't think of who the player is right now. Oh
1: my gosh. It's It's just, it's... It might.
0: Is it a Kobe? Because it's a
1: Lakers jersey. No, no, it wouldn't be Kobe. Kobe is way too. Oh, way too early. Yeah,
0: yeah. This um, is way,
1: it's Kobe is much later.
0: Hold on. I'm trying to find the actual poster and it's actually very hard. But like I've seen the actual poster before. Yeah, that's yeah. Taken off of, but it is. It's a Lakers player. So it was a 90s Lakers player or an early 2000s Lakers mm-hmm. player. But yeah, um, but it's just, it's fantastic. So that's hanging there now instead of the normal poster. Buffy says he's looking good. And Riley says he's doing better, feeling stronger. He's no Jonathan, but he's okay. Is he really? He's no longer eating the initiative superfood of strongness, right? No, Riley says they swear they've stopped treating the food, but he's not taking any chances. Riley, you never actually ate food from the okay okay i'm gonna then, have to let that one no, go we've, we've done yeah you have to full elsa it <sighs> Fun elsa. he's not sure if that will make him weaker or dumber or smarter <laughs> you, can't,
1: you can't get dumber riley i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> bless your heart riley but <laughs> bless his heart
0: <laughs> they're not big with the disclosures huh nope They haven't even released a full profile on Adam and their attempts to track him have all failed. Riley knows if they just put their trust in him, he could get the job done. Buffy's felt that way her entire life. Riley goes to sit beside her on the bed and she gets up making like she meant to shoot a few hoops herself. She misses though. Says she guesses it takes different muscles than demon beheading. Riley thinks she just needs a few pointers and gets up to show her. Standing behind, standing close. Buffy says if slaying was a competitive sport, oh boy. They could have figure staking and speed staking and she turns accidentally hitting Riley. She's sorry. She, this just isn't her game. (laughs) She needs to go. She heads out and we see a very sad Riley. (laughs) Poor golden retriever boyfriend. The next morning, Buffy and Jonathan have coffee. Buffy telling him it's all Faith's fault. She's like a poison. No, acid. Eating her way through everything. Maybe she's a bomb. Jonathan tells her, while signing autographs, that this isn't about Buffy being mad at Faith. She's mad at Riley. They have this deep connection, this relationship. And in the moment it mattered most, he couldn't look into her eyes and see that it wasn't her looking back. Yeah, but Buffy knows it's more complicated than that. You can't just look at someone and be like, hey, that's not your body. Get out of that body with your hands up. (laughs) And Jonathan knows she knows. But she also has to believe it. If there is any part of her that is blaming Riley for this... Then she needs to find a way to forgive him. This is interrupted as a girl comes up. Karen, with a K, she's so excited to be meeting Jonathan in person. (laughs) She has his book with her and he offers to sign it. Really? She doesn't want to be a bother. He assures her it's fine. And after getting his signature, she scampers off, day made. She's so cute. Jonathan then asks Buffy what she thinks. If he's wrong, she can hit him. He's sure Karen will lend her the book to do it. And it's pretty heavy. Maybe she has been blaming him, but how does she get past it? How do they move forward? What if after all this, he doesn't want her? Jonathan says he does. But Buffy and Riley have, it's special and worth fighting
1: for. This whole scene is very sweet.
0: It is. We'll talk about this as we go on because Jonathan, as much as he's created this world, as much as he wants to be popular... It's clear his affection for Buffy and the Scooby Gang is mm-hmm. very real. Yeah. And really all he's ever wanted I think is to be a part of this friend group.
1: Yeah, it like they have such a they have such a bond and he wanted to be part of that. Yeah. But just don't call
0: Giles Rupert. Just don't call Giles Rupert. If no. you're any really part of the group you have to call him Giles. Giles. Or dad. Or dad, dad works still. Yeah. He gets up to leave and Buffy follows. How does she make it better? What does she say? She doesn't even know if she knows how to talk to him anymore. Standing so that we can see his shoe ad above his head, (laughs) Jonathan says if you want something bad enough, you find a way to make it happen. I mean... Hmm. hmm. At initiative headquarters, General Haviland has arrived. He is in charge while the facility review is taking place. However... The review does not mean that their mission has changed. Bringing in the hostile known as Adam is still their number one priority, and so they have called in a tactical consultant, Mister Levinson. <laughs> Jonathan enters, and dis- oh, <laughs> <laughs> the height difference between him and every other single person in the room.
1: We had to, we had to stop for a minute. When we got to the scene, because this was definitely a moment where they are standing on boxes. They
0: have to be. I mean, because they, some of these people are tall, like Mark Lucas is tall. Yeah, but this is a very exaggerated shot.
1: Yeah, like they because I was because I was we were laughing and I was saying like, so often you try to make your main focus look taller. But with this scene, they needed him to look shorter than he already is. They just needed to exaggerate how ridiculous it is. Yeah,
0: so in reality, Mark Lucas is actually a full foot taller Yeah. than Danny Strong. Danny Strong is 5'2", Mark Lucas is 6'2". Mm-hmm. But again, there's no way everyone in that room had yeah. like a full height, like a full foot off of him.
1: Yeah, they they had, because if you notice the way that this scene is framed and you never see like anything on the ground. Yeah. Yeah, they're standing, everybody else in that room is standing on a platform or something and oh my god it's the way just again the way that this scene is framed is it's brilliant it's brilliant like they chef's kiss
0: (laughs) as he rolls out blueprints on Adam Graham says it's about time they called in the big gun and everybody
1: else everybody else is having a great time with this Oh, everyone. This like everyone had so much fun this whole episode. Yeah, I love I love when when everybody on a show gets to do ridiculous things. Through this, we learn a kind of important aspect about Adam.
0: And I actually think this is a really cool aspect of this episode and like this show in general. Because a lot of times when you get like a wacky episode like this, mm-hmm. it's used as filler. Mm hmm. And I mean, yeah, like so, Something blue was a little bit of a filler, too, because like it was super fun, but it didn't really advance the plot. It advanced the characters, mm-hmm. but not plot. This, this is advancing the plot and giving us super wacky fun times. Yep. And I think that's amazing that they can do both. Because what we learn about Adam is that his power source isn't biological. He instead, he instead runs off a uranium core that could essentially last forever. <laughs> and it means beheading him won't work. They have to annihilate him completely just as soon as they find him. Back at Jonathan's, we learn that Karen is kind of a stalker. <laughs> standing outside his house with binoculars, hoping to catch a glimpse of him. She's very disappointed that he's not there and even more disappointed when she runs into a demon who attacks her. She manages to throw him off before fleeing across the foggy lawn. Back at headquarters, Riley says he feels terrible, but Jonathan tells him she's ready to forget it. And so he better be ready too. Riley's not sure she'll ever forget it. Every time he goes to touch her, she, Jonathan tells him she's scared of him, of what he'll think. Buffy knows Faith's experienced. Experienced? What does... Oh, God. (laughs) Does Buffy think he'll be comparing them? She has to know he would never. That she... She's the one he... He cares about. Jonathan asks if he's told Buffy that. He thinks he has. But she has to know, right? A blindfold on. Jonathan says people can't always see what's right in front of them. We then see three initiative guys all lined up, apples on their heads, <laughs> at the bronze. There's a swing band playing. Which yes, yes, yes. I remember the swing revival of the early 2000s. I
1: participated in the swing revival. I used to. Well, actually, late nineties when I was still in high school, I I was I was dancing. I was I had a dance partner and i went all different places and they did uso shows it was a lot of fun and this one i think is royal crown review yeah
0: i think it is willow and terror vibing on the dance floor while anya xander buffy and riley all sit together at a table anya looking utterly ethereal in the green dress she has on like she is just she is stunning in this scene
1: yeah they really they really dressed they really dressed her nicely in this one Xander, it turns out, is quite
0: upset because he swears Anya said Jonathan's name in bed the night before. Anya, however, says it was just a moan. Watching them, Riley says they're quite the couple, and Buffy says if they get into a fist fight, she has fifty on Anya. I
1: uh, yes, I also have money on Anya. Riley then asks
0: Buffy if uh, uh, Riley then asks if Buffy thinks they'll make it.
1: She doesn't get a chance to answer that
0: weighted and obviously double-sided question. Because Jonathan takes the stage, looking snazzy in his white tux. (laughs) The crowd goes wild. And he says this next song is for some friends of his. A special couple going through a rough time. As he starts singing Serenade in Blue, uh, once again voiced by our friend from the prom, who was the singing voice of Aladdin. Yeah. (laughs) So that's that's Danny's voice double. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so they start. He starts singing "Serenade in Blue," and Riley asks Buffy to dance. <laughs> and dance they do. Arms wrapped around each other. Eventually, Riley goes to say something, but Buffy asks if they have to have the talk. She doesn't want to talk; just dance. And Riley says he's sorry that it's only her he wants. She knows she does. Since when? Since he put his arms around her. They go back to dancing, and the song ends. Jonathan pulling out his trumpet. <laughs> Tara is very excited about this. He's going to do something off the new album. Oh my gosh. He begins playing. Both Anya and Xander get very horny and decide they need to go have sex (laughs) right now. As they leave, Karen rushes in, wide-eyed and disheveled. Buffy catches her asking what's wrong as Jonathan cuts the music and jumps down. Karen, right? What attacked her? What was it? Taking Karen back to Jonathan's, they run into the cops. The sergeant said Jonathan's staff reported a disturbance. He wanted to come down personally and make sure everything is okay. It is. They can go. Jonathan and the others have this. As they sit Karen down, they ask her to describe the creature she ran into again. Big, ugly, scabs all over. And it had a mark on its forehead. Riley hands Karen a pad and she draws the mark. A triangle with three lines crisscrossing it. They hand the symbol to Jonathan and he says it is a clue. Buffy questions him and he says he's heard of this thing before. Not a demon, just a monster. Little more than an animal. It tends to stick to the woods, not go near populated areas. But it did today and it could again. Maybe they should patrol. Riley says he could mobilize the unit. No, no, it's fine. Karen just startled it. More afraid of her and all that. He'll take a look around, but no need for the others. He can handle it on his own. In a library somewhere? A human lays dead on the floor while Adam sits in front of several computer screens and TV monitors watching feeds. The vampire says he wishes Adam would let him get rid of the body. And Adam says he wouldn't like the human. He had a blood disease. He didn't (laughs) know it, but he'd be dead in a year. Oh, well, huh. The vampire then tells him there's something new in town. Attacked a girl. And he was there at the he the vampire points to the feeds and the images of Jonathan on talk shows accepting awards being mobbed by paparazzi Adam asks who Jonathan is and the vampire is taken aback <laughs> Jonathan? He he's Jonathan. <laughs> Look at him. Adam says all those images are lies. The world's been changed and the vampire like everyone else is under his spell. Only Adam knows the truth. Why? Because he's awake, more awake than any human or demon ever
1: has been. They are all in shadows. Calm down, Adam. <laughs> also, right. during during this scene, Kevin started cracking up because you can see clearly that he's got a floppy disk drive on his chest. He does. <laughs> oh, well, what does he want to do about it? Does he want to kill Jonathan?
0: They could kill Jonathan or try. It's kind of like a dynamo of action don't think he doesn't have to do anything. Magic like this is unstable, corrosive, and often leads to chaos. He is interested in chaos. Well, in that case, buddy, I got a warlock you should meet. <coughs> Back at Jonathan's, Jonathan stares moodily into the fire while a sad guitar rift plays. From upstairs, two Swedish supermodels, twins, beckon him to bed. He tells them he'll be right there. They head back to his room, and he takes his robe off, revealing the same symbol the girl said the demon had. Dun, dun, dun! dun.
1: Hmm, I wonder what that could mean. Who knows?
0: Walking across campus, Willow tells Buffy she's glad she's okay. Everyone was really freaked when they left the bronze. Terry says she guesses they'll be hunting now. Well, all the weapons are at Giles's, so no go. What? Willow turns to Buffy. Did she just say no go? (laughs) Jonathan did. Said it was a brainless beastie and he'd handle it himself. Cool. She guesses. It's just Jonathan seemed kind of scared. Buffy. (laughs) Willow reminds her that Jonathan doesn't get scared. She said so herself when she gave him the class protector award at prom. (laughs) They reach Tara's exit and she tells Willow she'll see her tomorrow. There's a small hand squeeze of goodbye. And then Willow and Buffy keep walking. Willow says she noticed her and Riley dancing. Yeah, it was a good dance. And it finally felt like Faith wasn't there. Like it was just the two of them. Tara enters her dorm and both we and her hear a small noise. Something weird enough to make her nervous. She speeds up her walking, wanting to get to her room. But as she opens the door to enter a hallway, the demon from earlier attacks her. Being smart... Tara conjures some smoke in order to allow her to scramble away. Only as far as the other side of the room, but it works. She locks herself in a janitor's closet and waits the monster out. The next morning, Buffy arrives at Tara's dorm where Willow already is. Tara's in bed, scratched up and shaking. Willow says someone found her in the janitor's closet about an hour ago. She must have been there all night. Buffy asks Tara if she knows what attacked her. And she describes the same monster Karen did. And so Buffy draws the image from the night before. Was that the symbol Tara saw? Tara nods and Willow doesn't understand. Jonathan said they were safe. He said it. So interesting to that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, did anyone else notice that when Buffy went to get a sheet from Tara's notebook, Tara's mirror is covered. She has a silk scarf over it. Yeah. And I mean, there are so many like magical and superstitious reasons that could be, but I found it a very interesting choice to have that. Like, because Tara is Mm -hmm. so into the occult and so into witchcraft and like has all these mystical artifacts and stuff that she covers her mirrors. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And also, you know, I can't, I can't picture the, the exact setup of the room in my head, but depending on where the mirror is placed too, because you're not supposed to have a mirror facing your bed. It's to the side of the
0: bed. So it would be facing the bed in some capacity.
1: Yeah. Very, yeah. Very interesting. Or they just had a very tight squeeze, and they needed to cover it up so you didn't see any of the crew.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it worked. Like, but it works. It for works. Tara.
1: It works. Yeah, yeah, it works
0: in world too. And so Buffy contemplates this while wandering in front of a bunch of intense-looking Jonathan.com posters. <laughs> like they look a little dictatorial.
1: They were, yeah, yeah. It's a very, but also it could be a takeoff of like Steve Jobs, and I'm pretty the way sure that's what was supposed yeah, to be. Yeah, but when it's when it's Danny, it gives it a different vibe. <laughs> like it, because like with Steve Jobs, it looks imposing and this is, you know, I'm a smart person. But with Danny, it just comes off as I am a tiny little dictator and I rule this world. <laughs> Which technically, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: When we next see her, she's arrived at the basement of sadness. Ani tells her that Xander's not there. Oh. Anya then observes that Buffy isn't going away. (laughs) Why isn't she going away? She kind of wanted to look at some of Xander's stuff. Oh, well, sure. Come in, make yourself at home and all that. As Buffy comes inside, we notice several things. That Anya and Xander have Jonathan pictures everywhere. On the back of the door, on the wall, on the globe. (laughs) <laughs> Xander seems to have a set of Jonathan trading cards on the shelf, as well as the ones Buffy picks up off the table. There are Jonathan comic books, and Anya is reading Jonathan's book, the same one Karen had signed. As Buffy picks up said cards, Anya's surprised to find she's still there. <laughs> Buffy then asks if she can ask Anya something. Does it ever seem weird how good Jonathan is at everything? No, he's Jonathan. Hmm. <laughs> Buffy steals the book, causing Anya to protest. She was just at the part where he invents the internet. Buffy points out that Jonathan fights better than her. And she's the slayer. The slayer. That should mean something, right? Oh. Mm. Anya sees what this is. And she tells Buffy to buck up. She's the best killer there is. Kill, kill. Buffy says, Mm -hmm. actually, she didn't need any validation, but thank you. It's just... Jonathan's he's almost too perfect when she was a demon she granted wishes right yeah vengeance wishes on ex-boyfriends that they were a dog or ugly or in love with President McKinley (laughs) I love how
1: super specific that is
0: okay but someone could wish for the world to change right that's possible alternate realities sure You can have a world without shrimp, or with nothing but shrimp, or even a world where Jonathan is some unpopular mouth breather. Just don't ask her to live there. (laughs) Oh, Anya reaches for her book. Now, if she could just have that back, Buffy can be on her way to somewhere else. Before we go to that somewhere else, two things... Um, one, I'm guessing Anya doesn't remember the wish world since we went back to the moment where Cordelia first wished it. Otherwise, why didn't she just tell Buffy about that? Two... A world without shrimp. Um for anyone who read the first run of the Boom Studios Buffy comic, that main storyline took place in the world without shrimp.
1: I love it. Which
0: I just love that they integrated that in there. They were like, we're doing the multiverse. We got to do some no
1: shrimp. That's I I love I love the randomness of just a world with no shrimp. Like, sure, sure, there's just no shrimp here you would like that world I would like that world because I can't eat shrimp no seafood sorry people who I just wish I wish I could eat seafood I used to be able to I used to love it but now it doesn't love me anyway somewhere else that
0: somewhere else happens to be Giles's where Buffy is
1: saying it just doesn't make
0: any sense. He starred in The Matrix, but never left town. And how did he graduate from med school? He is only eighteen. And oh my God, when she said that line, I forgot for a moment they were all only eighteen because they're all starting to look like actual adults this season. Yeah. Yeah. So I like just mentally put them in their mid twenties. Oops. Also, I don't know, do we need to talk about the Matrix?
1: Keanu Reeves, Nero,
0: Morpheus, Red Pill, Blue Pill. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Not I keep forgetting.
1: That. I keep forgetting they're still only in their freshman year. Yeah. Cause so much so much happens this season that it feels like there should be be more, or that they should be further along.
0: Giles doesn't get what Buffy's trying to say, and Anya wants to know when Jonathan is gonna get there and start the meeting. This is the meeting. This is the meeting? <laughs> Buffy just wanted to know if anyone else thought that maybe Jonathan was a little too perfect. What? No, he's just perfect enough. He crushed the bones of the master. He blew up a big snake made of mayor. And he coached the U.S. women's soccer team to a stunning World Cup victory. <laughs> they saw him do those things. That's just it. Buffy doesn't think they can trust their memories. She tells Anya to tell the others about the alternate realities. Oh, okay. Okay say you like shrimp a lot or that you don't like shrimp at all. (laughs) I wish there weren't any shrimp you'd say to yourself. And stop. Buffy tells her she's explaining it wrong. (laughs) She just thinks Jonathan might be doing something to manipulate the world and that they're all his pawns. Or prawns. I hated that so much. (laughs) It's like, Anya, no, I was totally with Buffy and she was like, stop doing the trick. I was like, Froggy's going to love that line. Uh,
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was very, again, I I was on Anya's. (laughs) Okay.
0: But I do, I have some questions. I understand. The answer is A, plot, and B, wackiness ensues. But the implications here and the implications of the spell have some weirdness to it. Because, as we know from the class protector speech... No one actually knew what Buffy's deal was. Like they knew she kind of showed up and did a thing and they were all safer for it. But because of this spell, Jonathan now knows what a slayer is and that Buffy is it. Okay. That was information he did not have before.
1: Yeah, so so the way that I the way that I interpreted especially the scene where they're like he crushed the bones of the master and all that. The way that I interpret it is so yes, he does He does know that she's the Slayer now. But for like a lot of the stuff that he wasn't present for, it is just changing memories. So the spell is more like in your memory, Jonathan did these things. So he might not know about all the other stuff that she did. He might not know about crushing the bones of the master. He might not know about, you know all the other little details. Okay, because that was, like, my other question. Because I was yeah. like, then if we're to
0: believe that Jonathan crushed the bones of the master, yeah. does that mean that Buffy never worked through her trauma? Because crushing the bones of a master was a key moment for her. And, like, are we just supposed to believe he, like, talk-therapied her it's, through it after? It's it's magic. It's, it's, like... And if he blew up the mayor, shouldn't Faith have been gunning for him? Like... There are a lot of implications of this yeah, spell. Which, yeah, and, I, and again, I understand it's because yeah, it's a perception spell. Yeah,
1: I think, yeah, I think it's more like it just changes. It doesn't, it doesn't erase like completely, but it just kind of overwrites important things that happened. So if Buffy hadn't been there, you know, Buffy crushing the bones of the master was a big thing. The school was a big thing. Like all the big stuff, important moments it's just rewriting to say that Jonathan did it. So it's not completely taking away the healing okay. that was done from it. It's not taking away any growth that anybody has done in, you know, the three seasons previous. It's just rewriting everybody's memories to say this thing was Jonathan. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so it's yeah, I I get yeah, I get where it it but I, yeah, I don't think he completely knows everything that happened because i could see somebody saying something and him being like oh yes yes i did do that thing that uh-huh. you just of course did. i did yeah so it's it's more about he's adjust- getting the
0: credit for everything because of the spell whether he actually did it or
1: not exactly exactly okay. so he didn't sense. he didn't actually crush the bones of the master that was still buffy but in their memories it was him <laughs> Giles thinks Buffy may be a bit out of her depth. And Riley
0: says the whole thing is ridiculous. Still, he's gotten to know Buffy pretty well as of late. And she sings things they don't. So he thinks maybe they should follow her lead. Buffy tells him she thinks Jonathan is hiding something. That he let Tara get hurt on purpose. No, no. But he saw the symbol the demon had on him and he blinked. (laughs) Blinked? Xander frowns. The man moises his eyeballs and they're having a meeting about it? (laughs) No. (sighs) Buffy thinks Jonathan is hiding something about the monster. That he knows something. Oh! Buffy suddenly remembers something. Does Giles have a Jonathan swimsuit calendar? (laughs) No. Yes. It was a gift. (sighs) He gets it out from under his desk pad. Oh my god. And hands it to Buffy. She flips through until she gets to March. There, on Jonathan's back, is the symbol. Oh, yeah. Anya says he's pretty damn lickable. No! Willow tells her it's the (laughs) other kind of O. Why would Jonathan have the same symbol as the demon? Buffy doesn't know. But she does know that Jonathan is... Is this a private conversation? Jonathan leads in the doorway looking at them. Or can Mr. July sit in? (laughs) Jonathan! Anya tells him how Buffy was just saying he allowed Willow's friend to get cut up. No, no, she wasn't. (laughs) She just, he said the mark was safe and it wasn't. She doesn't understand. Jonathan says he'll explain. Buffy is right. Everyone is shocked by this. Xander looking like his worldview has just been turned upside down. He says he does have a history with the creature, but every time he tries to fight it, he becomes confused, clouded. It takes all his strength. And so he had the mark tattooed on him as a reminder. To never underestimate the thing again. Everyone agrees that would explain everything. And Anya said she knew the whole alternate reality thing was freaky. (laughs) Buffy tells Jonathan that she'll go with him. That they'll fight the monster together. Jonathan is sure it's left town by now. That tends to be its pattern. Well, they can try. Okay. The two head out as Anya says goodbye to Jonathan. In the cemetery, the two once again run into Spike. Taking the little sidekick for a walk. Buffy tells him to shut up and he is stunned by this semi-harsh language. (laughs) Coming closer, he gently touches Buffy's face, caresses her cheek, tells her that one day he'd love to take her on, see what it's like when she's facing the evil Solo. Grabbing him, Jonathan pulls him away and shoves him up against a wall. Enough of the creepy small talk. They're looking for a monster. And why would he know about that? Because every demon in this town is gunning for him, so Jonathan guesses he's keeping pretty good track of them. Big, large arms, mark on forehead. Spike says he doesn't know anything, but then he's probably lying. Again, height difference between Spike, Jonathan, classic. (laughs) Jonathan says they're not getting anything out of Spike and begins to walk away. That's when Buffy throws him into the wall. Hey, she's not supposed to do that. (laughs) Buffy reminds Spike that he's pretty much living on butcher's blood these days. And the butchers in this town, they respect Jonathan. So one word from him and, well, Spike's going to find himself pretty thirsty. Okay, he doesn't know much. But he does know some vampires were kicked out of a cave in the hills behind Brookside Park. Doesn't know what did the kicking, though. As Buffy and Jonathan head in that direction, Jonathan tells Buffy, That was very good. Very mm. good. And... Yeah, that second one doesn't sound all that happy. Uh Uh-oh. Back at Giles's, Riley's just marveling over his magic books. (laughs) These spells, they really work. You can turn your enemies inside out. Ooh. That sounds like something that might come into play later. Mm Mm-hmm. Or excrete gold coins. Anya says that one isn't that much fun. And Willow tells Riley they work, but they take concentration. You have to be attuned to the forces of the universe, like a Jedi. Yeah, Xander says you can't just be all Librium and Sendry and expect the <laughs> book burks into flames and miles. Xander slams it shut. Sounding very tired and like they have done this before.
1: Giles tells Xander not to not speak Latin, Latin in front, in front of, the, of books. the books. This this is another one of those lines that we use at random. You just, have to. And, and just just that sigh Honestly, Like I, this is another one of those Mandela effect moments where I thought this happened way sooner in this. Like, I feel like it happened at a different point, but then when I rewatched this episode, I'm like, okay, yes, it's when they're sitting there. Like I just, Oh, I had the reverse effect.
0: I thought it happened later. I thought it happened in the magic shop. Oh, okay. Where he was standing by the bookcase by the window. Mm -hmm. I'm sure he does something else there. That is similar. Yeah. But Willow's found the symbol. It's part of an augmentation spell. Jonathan did an augmentation spell, making himself a paragon. The best at everything. Everyone's ideal. So Jonathan did a spell just to make them all think he was cool? Yeah. Sanders says that is so cool. But what about the monster? Willow says that to, that to balance this new good, the spell creates an evil. Everyone's nightmare. Jonathan and Buffy went to fight the nightmare thing. Will they be Okay. Well, it says the spell is tied to the creature. If it dies, the spell is broken. And Jonathan reverts to whatever he was before. Well, he's not going to want Buffy to get that far. Interesting that this episode is all about magic that alters the world in one's memory because, oh boy, is that going to be a mm-hmm. thing going forward? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In the cave, Buffy and Jonathan enter looking around. They come across a deep ravine, and Buffy says we're one to fall down there. They'd be dead for quite a while. (laughs) Yeah, wouldn't want that to happen. Jonathan is looking real sketch right now. Jonathan, don't do it, bitch. As he reaches for Buffy. But turns out he just wants to direct her away from the ravine, (laughs) as they have a monster to find. Or not, because the monster found them. It hits Jonathan, knocking him all the way to the other side of the ravine. At Giles's, everyone is just falling apart. (laughs) Unable to believe that (laughs) Buffy was right. Willow's scared of what the other world could be. Could be totally different. Actually, Giles thinks it will be pretty much the same. (laughs) Only Jonathan won't be Jonathan. Or their Jonathan, anyway. No. No. Xander refuses. That is a world without sunshine. A world without joy. (laughs) Riley says it only goes back if Buffy kills the creature. If she loses, they could be stuck there forever. Okay. Okay, things are looking up now. You know, provided Buffy doesn't die. Willow asks, can she do it? Giles doesn't know. She's never stood alone against something like this before. Back in the (laughs) cave, Buffy is fighting the demon. Jonathan gets up, going to help. Buffy asks him what to, to do, and he says she has to do it solo. But how? She'll know. She used to. The more she hurts this thing, the more he's going to lose... Lose his what? She continues to fight as Jonathan hides. When it looks like the demon might be down, he appears again, but then hides again when the fight continues. (laughs) Until the demon gets Buffy near the ravine. When it looks like she might be in real danger, he comes out, tackling the demon and sending them both into the ravine. But Buffy catches him. As she does, the town reverts to normal posters, and marquees all changing back. The next day, the gang sits together on campus, processing everything. Well, they can't believe they believed it was all real. And Buffy says in that world, it was. Xander wants to know if they want to know what he'll remember the most. Riley says the swimsuit calendar is sticking in his head. (laughs) Not in a good way. Xander says the way Jonathan made him feel about him valued, and respected, and kind of (laughs) tingly. Now, nothing. Poor Xander. Clearly Jonathan hurt him most of all. After Tara, who raises her hand. (laughs) Seeing Jonathan standing across the way, Buffy gets up and heads over, as Riley asks the others if anyone felt way too tall. (laughs) Because he felt way too tall.
1: I I like that. I like that acknowledgement of... Basically what we said that everybody was feeling was way too tall. (laughs) Jonathan wasn't sure Buffy would come over.
0: Everyone seems to be forgetting, but Summer's still really mad. No one will talk to him. The twins moved out. (laughs) Buffy wants to know why he did it. No, wait. She knows why. How? How did he do it? Well, after the bell tower, he went to counseling and one of the other kids had this spell. He glossed right over the monster, though. Jonathan never meant for anyone to get hurt. He just... He wanted to apologize. Buffy asks him if he knows why people are mad. It's not the monster. It's that they didn't like being sock puppets in his little theater. They weren't. They weren't socks. (laughs) They were friends. Buffy says he can't fix everything with one big gesture all at once. Things are complicated. It takes time. And work. Yeah. Jonathan then asks if she remembers the advice he gave her. Watch out for the Southpaws? (laughs) no about her and Riley things are starting to blur but he thinks it was right and that it was kind of what she just said to him what Buffy and Riley have it's special and complicated and it's gonna take work but it's worth it he walks off, Buffy watching and then then we end the episode in Riley's room Buffy and Riley on the bed Megan with the smoochies Buffy says she's glad they talked things out and Riley says they haven't talked at all (laughs) Well, whatever they've been doing, it's working. They then start with the kisses again as Buffy smirks and murmurs and, oh, Jonathan. And apparently Buffy was supposed to say, just kidding. kidding, over the credits. The end. It's such a good episode. It's Yeah,
1: yeah. This, this one is definitely on the top of my favorite episodes and also for humor factor. And like you said, it even advanced plot, like his... Yeah, it's so good. So good.
0: All right. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you all for listening. Make sure to join us next time for the concluding parts of The Lost Slayer. Oh, that's going to be fun. Oh, it's going to be so good. Vampire oh. King Giles. Oh, I, I am. Oh, God, I love him. Until then, check out our various social media channels, all of which will be listed in the show notes. And if you like the show and you want to let us know it, you can subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts or write to us directly at thewatchersdiaries at gmail.com. Bye!